It's Saturday morning. You have no work, but you're still up early. Everything is quiet around. Slow. And you're not really awake yet either. Put the coffee on. It's the perfect time to read some poetry. Morning Poetry with Elisa and Tato. Uh, I'm having trouble f coming up with uh, more poems for the first section because I know that you have all your Nortons and everything, but I have nothing. I have, <laughs> I have individual collections and I'm running out, like, I don't want to come here and read Sylvia Plath every week, you know? I'm running out too, I have to say, apart, I mean... You have your Nortons. You can pick out a random... Yeah, but I'm tired of them. But yeah. I understand. Uh, so basically what I'm doing is like I've really I've really taken to this is making me buy more poetry books. And uh, it's good. It's good. What did you buy? I finally bought some Louise Gluck, because or do, do people pronounce it Gluck? I don't know. But uh, I've read a few poems of her here and there, but I never had the book from her, so mm. obviously now that she won the Nobel Prize, like I'm... No, I'm kidding. But uh, it was time, and uh, I'm looking into buying more, but I'm not sure exactly what I want, because on the one hand, I, I do want like some, po some poets that are more like contemporary up and coming rather than you know like contemporary but established for like decades so i'm trying to strike a balance there and um i was trying to figure out what to read for the first section today but i'm i wasn't sure about uh, famous poet poets um mm -hmm. I have something. It's mm -hmm. from the, again, from my collection of poetry magazines. And it's uh, Joyce Carol Oates, which is not really, f she's not really famous for her poetry, but uh, she did a new poem um, about a year ago, published in Poetry Magazine, and I thought I'd read that as the first section. Yes. Sounds great. Let's go. It's a bit long, but you know, I love long poems. Okay, so this is Joyce Carol Oates. The poem is called Little Albert, 1920. I was Little Albert, 
nine months old in the famous film. In a white cotton nighty on a lab table sitting upright facing the camera. Remember me? Sure, you do. First, you saw that I was a curious baby. You saw that I blinked and stared with all the intensity of an infant brain, eager to suck into its galaxy of neurons all over the world. You saw that I was you. You saw that I was a fearless baby. You saw that I was not frightened of a burning newspaper held before me at an alarmingly close range, though indeed my wrapped infant face expressed the classic uh, wariness of our species. Next, you saw that I was not frightened of a frisky monkey darting close about me on a leash. You saw that I was not frightened by a large dog brought close to me, nor by a quivering rabbit, nor a small white rat, not even a Santa Claus mask worn by a menacing male figure clad in white, shoved close to my infant face. You saw that I was attracted to the small white rat. You saw that I reached out to touch the small white rat. And as I reached for the small white rat behind my head came an explosion of noise. The shock of it sent me sprawling, cringing, face contorted in terror, mouth a perfect O of anguish, howling. As the experimenter John Watson struck a metal pipe with a hammer. What a shock! How terror rushed through me. How desperately I crawled to escape almost toppling off the edge of the table except adult hands restrained me. Children naturally fear loud noises. Children naturally fear surprises. Children naturally fear the unknown. Children can be taught to fear the known. The second experiment was one month later. No escape for me, for I was little Albert. Grim as a little gargoyle in white cotton nighty, able to sit upright, though now wary, distrustful. No joy in my little body, as, again, a small white rat was introduced to me. You saw how this time I shrank away, how this time there was terror in my face, how this time I did not reach with infant eagerness for the small white rat, for I learned to fear and hate the small white rat, and again, you saw how the very presence of the small white rat precipitated the deafening clamor as John Watson another time struck a metal pipe with a hammer again, again, and again behind my head for who was there to stop it. In this way, establishing on film how baseless fear can be instilled in a subject where fear had not previously existed, and how memory of this baseless fear will endure contained in the unfathomable brain. How I cried and cried as if I'd known that my mother had received but one dollar for the use of me in John Watson's psych lab in the experiment that would destroy me and make John Watson famous. For in the alchemy of my brain, my fear of a small white rat had become generalized and now, as Watson ably demonstrated, I feared the monkey, the dog, the rabbit, equally though each was unaccompanied by a clamoring, by a clanging hammer. Now I feared the menacing figure in the Santa Claus mask, as if understanding that Santa Claus was my tormentor. Cried and cried and could not be consoled. Even a woman's fur coat terrified me, for how could I trust softness? Sudden movements, sounds behind my head, the unexpected. Classic Pavlovian conditioning. 
bedrock of behavioral psychology, brilliant pioneer John Watson. You are wondering, did John Watson decondition me? No, he did not. Did another experimental psychologist decondition me? No, he did not. Ask me what was the remainder of my life. Ask me did I adjust to life after the infamous experiment. Ask me did I overcome my terror of animals. The answer is not known, for I died of hydrocephalus at age 6. All this was long ago. Things are different now. John Watson would not be allowed to terrorize little Albert in his famous experiments now. Ours is an ethical age. Or was it all a bad dream? Were you deceived? You were little Albert? You were conditioned to fear and hate? You were conditioned to thrust from what you were meant to love? You were a victim? You were the experimental subject? You were little Albert who died young? I don't know, was I? <laughs> I don't know about this story. I, I, I haven't heard it, heard it before. John Watson is such a generic, generic name that I feel like I've heard it, but, you know. <laughs> uh, John Watson is uh, Sherlock Holmes' assistant, right? Is his name John? Hmm. I, uh, hmm. I like how the poem changed a lot. The tone. Or not the tone, but like... Um, well, yeah, kind of. It went to like, from a little kid's perspective to... Um, this was a Pavlovian experiment, too. Whoa. Mystery. I mean, it, it, it kept the perspective of the... of little Albert, but... Uh, well, a six-year-old wouldn't be able to talk like that, though, in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, it kept the perspective. It, did, it didn't... You know, it's not a documentary or an accurate depiction of his thoughts. Clearly, he died like a hundred years ago. But it kept the perspective, it's just... Uh, it's probably better read as a sort of... It's a political... Yeah, like a... What's the word I'm looking for here? Um, allegory? <laughs> Allegory? Is that correct? I don't remember the definitions. I'd call it that, yeah. Let's call it allegory. Yeah, it's it's like a political kind of poem, but also kind of it's it's using like it's interesting because it's also doing the th so it's like telling you it's showing you what might have happened by doing the same. Yeah. Meaning that, you know, like, it's trying to make you wonder whether your fears and hatreds were maybe conditioned by, you know, other people who are influential, maybe the media, maybe politicians, maybe, I don't know, celebrities, whatever. Yeah. But it's also kind of trying to make that point by 
telling a story and people are susceptible to stories which is why politicians and the media use them to uh, generate the public sentiment that they want uh, because people are suckers for it huh I, I, I wouldn't expect anything different from Joyce Carol Oates it's not like I don't I didn't think it was going to be like a a sort of esoteric poem about, you know, <laughs> I don't know, something very, very personal to her. So, I don't know. That's the idea I have of her as a writer, that it's writing more about, like, large social things rather than the small and the personal. Yeah. What did we read by her? Um, uh, probably, where are you going? Where have you been? The story. Yeah. Yeah. I have read... No, this is the first poem by her mm-hmm. that I hear. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I didn't know what to expect. But... Um, does she write more poetry or more? I don't know. I don't. Prose? I don't think she writes a lot. I think she's she's written quite a bit, but uh, nah, primarily she writes prose. Yeah. Like I think she she yeah. I think her 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 last novel is not like too old. You know, like one of those writers that remained kind of um, active even. Uh, she, she got old. Well, very cool. Can I see where you got it from? Yeah. Oh, it's poetry. Yeah, it's poetry magazine. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, she's, she's like 80 something and still writing, so that's nice. From different uh, points in time and age. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes it. Very layered. What do you have to read? Well, talking about that, I have my little William Carlos Williams collection. Yes. Um, Another writer who wrote forever (laughs) and changed idea all the time. Changed. um, I have the orchestra. The orchestra. Yeah. The precise counterpart of a cacophony of bird calls lifting the sun almighty into his sphere. Woodwinds, clarinets and violins sound a prolonged Ah! Ah! The sun, the sun is about to rise and shed his beams as is always done upon us all. Judges and those who live at ease, women and men upon the old, upon children and the sick who are about to die and are indeed dead in their beds, to whom his light is forever lost. The cello raises his bass note manfully in the tremble, not in the treble, din. Ah, ah, and ah. Together and a tune seeking a common tone. Love is that common tone, 
shall raise his fiery head and sound his note. The purpose of an orchestra is to organize those sounds and hold them, to assemble order in spite of the wrong notes. Well, shall we think or listen? Is there a sound addressed not wholly to the ear? We half close our eyes. We do not hear it through our eyes. It is not a flute note either. It is the relation of a flute note to a drum. I am wide awake. The mind is listening. The ear is alerted. But the ear, in a half-reluctant mood, stretches and yawns. And so the banked violins in three tiers enliven the scene. Pizzicato. For a short memory, or to make the listener listen, the theme is repeat stressing a variant. It is a principle of music to repeat the theme. Repeat and repeat again as the pace mounts. The theme is difficult, but no more difficult than the facts to be resolved. Repeat and repeat the theme and all it develops to be until thought it is dissolved, until thought is dissolved in tears. Our dreams have been assaulted by a memory that will not sleep. The French horns interpose their voices. I love you. My heart is innocent. And this, the first day of the world, say to them, man has survived Hitherto because he was too ignorant to know how to realize his wishes. Now that he can realize them, he must either change them or perish. Now is the time, in spite of the wrong note. I love you. My heart is innocent. And this, the first and last day of the world. The birds twitter now anew, but a design surmounts their twittering. It is a design of man that makes them twitter. It is a design. Can I see that book? It's uh, nice. It's not that big. It's, it's, it's not as big as I, I expected. I thought it was going to be like a complete, complete, uh. complete Williams collection full of every, <laughs> everything he ever wrote. That'd be cool. That probably exists, right? Like a <laughs> on omnibus. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I um, found out that I can use my scholarship to buy books for my research. So, yeah. That's yeah. great. So I'm gonna get uh, the complete works of whoever I can think of that I can buy my research. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but no, this is a pretty book. I think, I think it's from a library, to be honest. I don't know which one, it smells amazing. And I don't think I read it at its best, but, um, but I like that poem. Did you like it? I liked it. It's. It's both very, very Williams and also kind of new because I, th I think I've only read his short stuff. 
like his very sh- mm-hmm. I mean not just the three lines haikus and stuff but like I don't think I've read a Williams poem that was more than 12 lines or so yeah but he wrote like uh, Peterson it's like a book <laughs> hmm. uh, in poetry so he wrote very long stuff I've always liked him. I think he's uh, he's my favorite from that generation of well, not yeah, one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, I like that he's so um, not obsessed, but um, always revisits the idea of like some something that is incredibly new and fresh. So like you'll have mornings, you'll have here you have the last, no, the first day of the world. Um, you have the spring. Um, kind of always the idea of something that just started, even if it's like a, a feeling or uh, or there's something new just born. Yeah, but and that was his all point right in writing poetry that was the goal in itself so all, all like even now like that poem is probably like a hundred years old but or maybe it was later I don't know but you know some of his poems are very old and still kind of have a sort of freshness because it it's not the kind of you know like early or mid-century 20th century poem that kind of gets old um kind of ages badly or whatever and I can yeah. probably think of a lot of poems that do age badly from that period but it's from 54 54 eh? that's that's very old that's like almost 70 years yeah I wonder uh, you know he was a doctor and he mainly treated children and delivered children so a real doctor not like he had a phd in <laughs> english uh, a physician or uh, he, he delivered hundreds of children so i wonder if his obsession with birth i did not know that comes from or thousands i read the number actually rereading about him i think at some point you should read some uh, william burroughs I should? Yes. I think so. I <laughs> little books. Yeah. Little book next to me. Yeah. But somehow got like dirty with lipstick in the middle of the Good. Been making out with this book. <laughs> Second section, I keep forgetting, but I want to say it's a poem that we have not read before. Exactly. Yes, okay. This this is my favorite section because I get to finally read poems from books that I buy and then I kind of don't really read much. Uh, So, I am going to read something from Sophie Collins. Uh, from her book Who is Mary Sue and I Who's Mary Sue? I got 
uh, I got the book. I, I knew of this book, but then I got it after I met Sophie Collins a couple of times at the at the poetry cafe, and she uh -huh. was uh, she was also promoting at the time a book that she translated from uh, Lika Marsen, uh, Marsman who is a Dutch poet who just like, I don't know, two weeks ago maybe, became the Poet Laureate of the Netherlands. Oh. So okay. they were promoting this book called The Following Scan Will Last Five Minutes. And it's about her experience with cancer. Mm. So it was absolutely beautiful. Like the event itself, because they both uh, talked and apparently so Sophie Collins started working with uh, Lika Marsman, uh, I think before the diagnosis, I hope I, I remember the details correctly, but she was going to translate her previous works or a previous collection. But then, uh, while they were kind of in the beginning of the project, when they were talking, uh, uh, Lika Marsman was diagnosed with cancer and she started writing about it and eventually they decided to just like do that book and not her previous collection or whatever so they did that book uh, called uh, The Following Scandal Last Five Minutes and in the end of that collection in the English edition, I don't know about the Dutch one, but in the English edition has like a, a, an essay by Sophie Collins about that um, experience of because they became friends in this pro, uh, in, in this uh, time time period and they had like a you know like it was poet and translator, but they were also friends and kind of like outside of the professional kind of setting and she talked about translating and she talked about a translator's connection with uh, the writer and about the ex her experience with this particular book and I don't know like I maybe I can read one Lika Marsman and one Sophie Collins poem who is Mary Sue came out before that, and um, yeah. since I talked about it, I, I'll just read one poem, even though I've read it before. I've read that whole collection and uh, even re reviewed it, like, they were nice enough to send me a copy before it got published. But yeah, the end is like a series of letters that Sophie Collins kind of wrote uh, to Lika, and they're, they're they're published. So it's very nice and very personal, and yeah, they did a, a really cool thing here where. There is a there's a poem by Lika Marsman from 2013 called Poesie, and it's published both in Dutch and in uh, English. The translation by Sophie Collins and um, 
it was cool for me to kind of I tried to read it. I couldn't I couldn't understand like, you know, my Dutch never got as good. So I could I couldn't understand everything, but I could read correctly most of it. Chef, my Dutch never got even to <laughs> read. Um what should I read from here? I will read uh, I will read I will read the following scan will last three minutes. While cycling through the city, I pick up now and then the unmistakable scent of pork schnitzel and burr blank. Trappist beer and Iberico ham, aromatic sensations that set me back on the right path leading me deeper into Europe. Personally, I've been a believer in multiculturalism since the popularization of the kebab. Still, I felt gloomy on occasion, because which of the 90s promises have actually come to pass, save the unmitigated rise of reality TV, where a number of major developments have indeed been recorded. That you can say anything you like doesn't mean that you should say anything. If I were to give you a beautiful piece of land with which you could do anything you like, I doubt you'd go and shit all over it. In truth, though, it's the unsaid that determines who gets promoted and who gets deported. There is a violence in the inertia of politicians, their endless deferrals affect real violence. This one is called Dear Number 24601. The future is an eye that I don't dare look into. Last night I dreamed I was a ball of fire and woke up on the wrong side of the room. This is a recurring dream. I share an apartment with my twin sister. Enclosed is a photo of us on a tandem bike. I forget which one I am. Sometimes I wake up believing I am her, she is me, and there is nothing about the day to indicate otherwise. Weeks stack up this way. As a girl, I did not do well with other children, unable to see the fun in games which were only ever maddening. I paid close attention to the weather, delighting in hail and not much else saved a prized collection of Hummel figurines derived from the pastoral sketches of Sister Maria Innocentia Hummel, German Franciscan nun and talented artist. Her simple peaceful works drew the enduring hatred of Hitler himself, 
You know Hummel translates as bumblebee in German, and they say she was always buzzing around. What do you think? Do we grow into our names, or does Kismet know a thing? One name can mean too much, the other not nearly enough. The details make a difference, like sitting on a white cushion as opposed to the blue. White is pure, of course, but my soul's been in the bargain bin since Russia and Lenin's tomb. I had a moment there, among the balustrades, and once that moment had expired, it graduated from a moment to a life. Very personal. Yeah. I think maybe the entire collection is um, like that. I would definitely get that book. What was the, the title again? Who is Mary Sue? Do you have another short one that you haven't read by her? Well, definitely, yeah. I can read another one. <clears throat> I kind of um, really like how it goes. <laughs> there is a kind of explanation for people who are not familiar with the term Mary Sue about like uh, where it comes from, and it's from the 70s, and it says that coined by Paula Smith in 1973, Mary Sue is a pejorative term used by writers and readers, and readers of fan fiction to describe protagonists who are believed to be thinly disguised versions of the fanfics, of the fanfic author's idealized self. There is no outright consensus as to Mary Sue's character type. Invariably, however, Mary Sue is female, she is said to be difficult to identify with, poorly constructed, without depth. She is associated with narcissism and or wish fulfillment. And it's... Um, I think Mary Sue is like close to the manic pixie dream girl, or the way it's used, it's uh, similar to that, but... I don't think I can say more about book in this regard because I haven't read it all. So I couldn't say anything about what uh, Sophie Collins is doing with that term. And, um, but I can surely read uh, a short one. Anna Karenina Everyone has a future, but some have more than others. Lucia has made seven for herself. Pails full of oil, all dark and density and difficult for a girl to carry with two arms and a yoke. Auntie says do not worry so much over your future, but my future, there is only one. My future has heard this and has become loud. She's very good. I, I remember when she, she, she read 
she read at this event like from Who is Mary Sue? And I'm like, oh my god, this is really, really good. So I, I got it. I just... I tend to neglect my books. <laughs> <laughs> Have you um, been writing? No. I am a bit too busy with the magazine. Uh, like I don't, yeah. I don't have time to work on my magazine enough. Gotcha. Yeah. I try to. I try to think about poetry or write something when I go for a walk. I don't know, I actually don't even try, it just happens because <laughs> the rest of the day I'm doing other things, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, it is always inspiring to, to read poetry and hear it. Absolutely. I do love hearing it. And this morning I'm a bit hangover and confused, so I could just like sit back here while you read me different things. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but okay, a poem that I haven't read. Yes. Uh, I think I used this little anthology before, but I will again. Yes. Um, and okay, I opened the page randomly and I was hoping in a woman poet, so I found her. Anne Waldman, mm -hmm. uh, associated to Beat Generation. Beautiful woman. So, this is called The Blue That Reminds Me of the Boat When She Left. I like that title already. Go on. Right? Yeah. Folds on your shirt. Lie like shadows who hide me before she's leaving. You know she's leaving. The flag signals us to mask and cross a plank so that the transition will be easier, less visual. The sun has moved a bit and sadness takes on new shapes. You say, her shape sleeps in me and the world explodes around her until every atom resembles the match trick she taught us last night. We translated the dream before she left, then waited in the park by the dock under shadows that were increasing on your shirt as the sun grew feeble. Now she sends us postcards of sky and sea that say, I have had crazy dreams lately. Last night I was dead and the skin and my skin was the color of this picture. Nice. Oh, these are my favorite poems. Yeah, yeah, I thought as I was reading it. I wonder, is Platon appreciating this as much as I think he is, as much as me? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very simple, but very beautiful. Yeah? Oh, 
my favorite kind of types of lines are the simple ones where you know like there is a, a very kind of alchemical process where a poet can manage to say a simple line at the part of a poem but it's very kind of uh, impactful yeah it's it becomes more than itself within the context of the poem and i think that's one of the hardest things to do because you are risking with writing a simple line. N not everyone can pull that off. Very few po poets can pull that off. I think it's difficult to, to write something very simple and ma yeah. make it good. And I know that it's easy to make an impact on let's say someone who doesn't read poetry but then it's one of those things where in my experience with everything the more you are exposed to, th to something the harder it, it is to impress you and if you can still find it hard to like express it but like it's <laughs> it's not easy to express <laughs> no it's not easy to express I don't know like I did, I'm not sure exactly how to say what I mean I always thought of good poetry as poetry that tries to find a new language. I think that that is one of the things that poetry has both always tried to do and one of its most important elements and missions, so to speak. Yeah. But it keeps it changing and evolving and that's good. But then it's also impressive when you read a simple line that is not trying to come up with a new language to say something, but it's still impactful in a way that you wouldn't think it could be. I don't know, maybe this is a better way of phrasing it, I hope. I, well, I understand when you say like do it, that the process is alchemic, as in like, and I think it's part of having simple lines that are also in a more complex context, and then it's like they, the words transform each other. <laughs> um, exactly. There are poems where the entire construct is original, where you where you feel like, oh, no one has ever written this before. And it's exciting and it's 
you know, it's when it's good, it's really, really good. But then in the middle of that poem, you can have like a line that you've read a thousand times, but in that poem, it works so much better than anywhere else. It's one example that I can think of that I kind of, I love when it happens because you give new context to, to an old uh, idea or a phrase or a general kind of sentiment. Last section. Exactly. I will send you a poem and you can send me a poem. I'm excited about this one. I uh, have come to the conclusion that I'm gonna buy that book by Ocean Wong. Because I see it everywhere and it's like. It's haunting me. Yeah, I know. Ocean Vuong is everywhere, uh, especially with his novel um, recently as yeah. well. It's got a beautiful title. It's got a beautiful cover. I keep seeing... I read reviews of it because it pops up everywhere. Everyone loves it. Everyone loves it. So... Yeah, but that's why I haven't bought it yet, because it's like I'm waiting for it to stop being so popular. Okay. <laughs> It doesn't hurt to read popular stuff if, if they're good. I know, but it's I don't do it on purpose. <laughs> okay. I didn't watch Harry Potter until like everybody I knew and their grandmothers watched it. And then I watched it when I was like all grown up. It's just, but it's haunting. Like, I don't know. I am about to give up. Um, on Harry but, Potter. Hey, that's a, this is a good introduction before... <laughs> I get Yeah, so uh, I sent you, I believe, Ocean Vong's latest poem. So okay. uh, I thought that it would be more interesting than his earlier stuff just because it's uh, after he made like his big, you know, like uh, boom, so to speak, with uh, Night Sky with Exit Wounds. And also it's after the popularity of uh, his novel. Mm -mm. Ocean Vuong as an established name, like he's not like trying to get visibility. He's already at the top, and yeah. I want to see. Uh, I haven't read it yet. I'm I'm waiting for you to to read it for me. So um, I want to see okay. how how he writes now. This is from less than a year ago. Hey, uh, no, it's called not even this. Hey, I used to be a fag, now I'm a checkbox. The pen tip strapped in my back. I feel the mark of progress. I will not dance alone in the municipal graveyard at midnight, blasting sad songs on my phone for nothing. I promise you, I was here. I felt things that made death so large it was indistinguishable from air, and I went on destroying inside it like wind in a storm. The way little peep says, I'll be back in the morning, 
when you know how it ends. The way I kept dancing when the song was over because it freed me. The way the street light blinks once before waking up for its night shift, like we do. The way we look up and whisper sorry to each other, the boy and I, when there's teeth. When there's always teeth on purpose. When I threw myself into gravity and made it work, ha. Huh? I made it out by the skin of my griefs. I used to be a fag, now I'm lit, ha. Huh? Once at a party sat on a rooftop in Brooklyn for an artsy vibe, a young woman sipping her drink said, you're so lucky, you're gay, plus you write, you get to write about war and stuff. I'm just white, pause. I got nothing. Laughter, glasses clinking. Unlike feelings, blood gets realer when you feel it. Because everyone knows yellow pain pressed into American letters turns to gold. Our sorrow meet us touched. Napalm with the rainbow afterglow. I'm trying to be real, but it costs too much. They say the earth spins, and that's why we fall. But everyone knows it's the music. It's been proven difficult to dance to machine gun fire. Still, my people made a rhythm this way, a way. My people, so still, in the photographs as corpses. My, my failure was that I got used to it. I looked at us, mangled under the time photographer's shadow, and stopped thinking. Get up, get up. I saw the graveyard steam in the pinkish dawn and knew the dead were still breathing. Huh. If they come for me, take me home. Scratch up, take me out. What if it wasn't the crash that made me, but the debris? What if it was meant this way? The mother, the lexicon, the line of cocaine on the mohawked boy's collarbone in an East Village sublet in 2007. What's wrong with me, Doc? There must be a pill for this. Too late. These worlds, these words, Already shrapnel in your brain. Impossible in high school. I am now the ultimate linebacker. I plow through the page, making a path for you, dear reader, going nowhere. Because the fairy tales were right, you'll need magic to make it out of here. Long ago, in another life, on an Amtrak through Iowa, I saw for a few blurred seconds, a man standing in the middle of a field of winter grass, hands at his side, back to me. All of him stopped there, save for his hair scraped by low wind. When the countryside resumed, its wash of grey wheat, tractors, gutted barns, black sycamores in herdless pastures, I started to cry. I put my copy of Didion's The White Album down, 
unfolded a new dark around my head. The woman beside me stroked my back, saying in a Midwestern accent that wobbled with tenderness, Go on, son, you get that out now. No shame in breaking open. You get that out and I'll fetch us some tea, which made me lose it even more. She came back with Lipton in paper cups. Her eyes now were blue and there. She was silent all the way to Missoula, where she got off and said, patting my knee, God is good, God is good. I can say it was beautiful now, my harm, because it belonged to no one else. To be a dam for damage. My shittiness will not enter the world, I thought, and quickly became my own hero. Do you, do you know how many hours I've wasted watching straight boys play video games? Enough. Time is a mother. Lest we forget, a morgue is also a community center. In my language, the one I recall now only by closing my eyes, the word for love is you. And the word for weakness is you. How you say what you mean changes what you say. Some call this a player, a prayer. I call it watch your mouth. When they zipped my mother in a body bag, I whispered, Rose, get out of there. Your plants are dying. Enough is enough. Body, doorway that you are, be more than what'll pass through. Stillness, that's what it was. The man in the field in the red sweater. He was so still, he became somehow more true. Like a knife wound in landscape painting. Like him, I caved. I caved and decided it will be joy from now on. Then everything opened. The lights blazed around me into a white weather and I was lifted, wet and bloody, out of my mother, screaming, and enough. This is April 2020. For me, the point of the, like, the point of these poems has become to send you something that I want to read by ha but haven't. So it's yeah. new to both of us. I think it's better that way. And yeah. uh, favorite line? Do you know how many hours I've, was I've wasted watching straight boys play video games? <laughs> I know that it's like, it's such a great poem throughout, but it's one of those new language kind of things that yeah. I was talking about, where it's like, you read that line, it's like, yes, this is something I haven't read before, this is a completely new thing, and I, I suspect that it's uh, a big element of uh, why Ocean Vuong is so uh, celebrated because I think that he he does this and he does it very well and he's clearly very talented in it and he puts a lot of thought into his lines. Yeah. I, I had a favorite line and I'm looking for it now. 
I like when he says, uh, I felt things that made that so large it was indistinguishable from air. Mm. I went on destroying inside it like wind in a storm. It's very um, freaking evocative. Very emotional. I was thinking just now that uh, it's interesting. I don't know if I told you about this before, but uh, it's some... Uh, open mic events at the Poetry Cafe where I used to go before everything shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very popular spot and we would very often get... It was us, the regulars, and then people who hadn't been there before, and then sometimes we had uh, people who, was, who were just visiting London and mm-hmm. for one reason or another they came to that. And it, it's very, it was very interesting when we had uh, a small group of Americans and it was really highlighted to us how differently we do live poetry where, uh, for example, you wouldn't hear the clicking in a London Mm -hmm. audience, that's not very uh, common, Uh, although it happens, it happens, but the most beautiful thing was that the Americans when they hear a good line, they will go, hmm. And it was so, like... Of course, the, the audience, the, the regular audience at the Poetry Cafe is not like all English people. It's London. It's like anything, you know? But uh, we are always very quiet during a performance. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we listen, unless it's funny and then we laugh. And then at the end we clap, whatever. But in the middle, we like we, I think we perceive it as a bit like oh, I don't want to interrupt. I don't want to break the the yeah. concentration. I don't want to kind of bother the reader. I will wait till the end. Whereas the American, you, you hear a good line, and you know mm, that's you know like you show that you like that line, and it was highlighted in that event, and I really liked it, and I found myself doing it. <laughs> Uh, he, uh, here as well, where it's just like, hmm, and I like the interactivity of it. Like, let's let's not kind of like play, pretend that it's like a recorded. You know, it's not the opera or whatever. Like, let's keep it. Let's keep it real. Let's keep it kind of. Yeah. You know, the poet is standing like a meter away from it it's not there's no pretense here it's really up close and personal yeah now that you say that i i i can see that in a few people that i know i recognize that yeah the, hmm. americans no irish no irish okay that's very interesting yeah. too because in, in that particular event it was presented as like an american thing by them it's like oh be- back in the states like we totally like don't mind this and it's very common whereas mm-hmm. for us it was a bit uh, not alien but uncommon and yeah. uh, I don't remember like in the poetry events we've gone to in Cork I don't remember anything like this like I don't remember noticing 
yeah. maybe it happened. I think I think it's only a few people that I can think of oh. in like person. <laughs> In general, Irish people are also very uh, silent, as in uh, respecting, as in if someone yeah. is like, even moving around, everybody turns and looks at you like, stop moving. Okay. <laughs> Sacred. No, I, yeah. I think I would, I would like a poetry event where it's more like a comedy club, where it's like, you know, like you could just move around and whatever, and it's like, <laughs> I like the, the organic, feel to that it's like it takes it, it breaks down the wall and it's uh, I don't know it's just it just feels spontaneous and in the moment and just like do whatever go grab a drink in the middle of a performance I like it I don't I, I wouldn't mind it certainly you know yeah. like it's I'm sure that a lot of you know like first-time readers or whatever would feel a bit like you know like if all eyes are on them, it can add to the stress or the self-consciousness of like everyone's looking at me and whatever. But if like a random person just gets up to get a drink in the middle of it, then you feel maybe more relaxed. It's like, oh, okay, that's fine. Like whoever wants to pay close attention is doing that. And whoever is like more, you know, like not into that is doing his own thing. Yeah, it depends on the person. Like at my first readings, my God, I thought if there was a like a, a whisper, I was like, oh my God, they hate it, so they're talking. Oh you know, yeah, yeah, okay. To get, like, oh my God, they're leaving. <laughs> the other side <laughs> of the coin. Okay. Yeah. I'm on the what I was describing, where it's fine. Yeah. It's like I I don't mind. Yeah, I think I would be like that now. Like it's because if if we're honest, like. There's always going to be someone, a group of people, whatever, that are just not paying attention to your specific poem for whatever reason. It doesn't mean that they don't like it. It's just, you know, yeah. you sit there and you listen to poem after poem after poem after poem for like an hour. Uh, well, eh, it's it can get too much and whatever. But yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have a poem to send me? Okay. But I, I was see. thinking, because I read that one, like... Uh, a while ago, and I forgot it. <laughs> okay, that's good, that's good. And I wanted to read more about this author. Take a sip. Calmly We Walk Through This April's Day by Delmore Schwartz. Calmly we walk through this April's day, metropolitan poetry here and there, in the park, seat, pauper and the rentier, the screaming children, the motor car, fugitive about us, running away, between the worker and the millionaire, number provides all distances. It is 1937 now. Many great dears are taken away. What will become of you and me? What will become of you and me? This is the school in which we learn, besides the photo and the memory. The time is the fire in which we burn. This is the school in which we learn. What is the self amid this blaze? What am I now that I was then?
which I shall suffer and act again. The theodicy I wrote in my high school days restored all life from infancy. The children shouting are bright as they run. This is the school in which they learn, ravished entirely in, in their passing play. The time is the fire in which they burn. Avid its rush, that reeling blaze. Where is my father and Eleanor? Not where they are now, dead seven years. But what they were then, no more, no more. From 1914 to the present day, Bert Spira and Rhoda consume, consume. Not where they are now, where are they now? But what they were then, both beautiful. Each minute bursts in the burning room, the great globe reels in the solar fire, spinning the trivial and unique away. How all things flash, how all things flare, what am I now that I was then? May memory restore again and again, the smallest color of the smallest day. Time is the school in which we learn, time is the fire in which we burn. Is it? Is this old? It feels like an old poem. I think so. Like, not too old, but like still old. Source, selected poems, 1938, 1958. Yeah, definitely. This is... From 37, right? <laughs> Copyright 1967 by Delmore Schwartz, but it has to be written before 58, as the title of the collection suggests. Interesting. Like, hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I think I agree. It feels uh, like older, hmm. but it's. He mentions a couple of years there, and maybe it is written during the war. Yeah, kind of like it though. No, no, it's very circular. Like it, it sound it, it, it has a kind of. Some parts are. Uh, they have their meter and rhyme, and then some are more free verse, and yeah. the, the former have a sort of ritualistic kind of uh, stride in them. They have a sort of, they, they sound almost like a sort of prayer, the repetition makes it even stronger. And uh, the, free, it's, the free verse ones make it sound like breaking away and coming back in again. Yeah, which is the whole point. Yeah. And I really like this. Like, you will read something that is rhyming out of nowhere and then it, it, it goes back to not rhyming. And when it does go, get to rhyming, it feels like a safe place of like uh, a familiar place with rules that you know and then you break away from it and it, you don't know where the poem is going and then it goes back into that place yeah yeah which he did really well for what he's saying yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> the yeah, whole yeah. Uh, 
You're you. Who are you? You're you. Who are you? <laughs> I brought, just in case we want to read one of our poems. Ah, okay. I uh, had this book, well, which is the one from which I wanted to take the a poem that I haven't read, because I yeah. remember the author, I think, but um, yeah, there's also one of mine. Or, but I'm very indecisive because it was William Burroughs' birthday a few days ago and I had a poem for him <laughs> yes I, I remember yeah if you want to read it you can read it I don't know which one though which one you want honor burn sorry um, but are you going to read one of yours if you read I'll read good because it's a Okay. Okay. This is this was. Um, uh, I just wrote this as like little notes. Every day. Every day I wrote like one one impression of that day. Nice. <laughs> and it was like these little notes in my phone, and I have not changed it. <laughs> and now it's published. And now it's published. <laughs> no. Um. Day one. I bury my fingers in the little rocks of the car park in front of my window. I sit and smoke a cigarette, hugging my knees. Become smaller. Surely I've done this forever. I must have been doing this forever. I dig with my fingers, looking for my fingers, digging years ago. The fingers I must have left here, fingers buried under rocks, under fingers digging in the rocks. Still looking. Day two, I sit with you next to your dead father. You talk about your childhood and the wood of the toys he made for you and the wood of the walks in the woods. I want to spread petals on his grave, but I have no flowers. So I smoke my cigarette and follow the fall of the ash on your father's bed of wood. Conscious of eternity and eternal overlapping of season and space and colors and place. I watch colors match, the color of my pyjamas, with that of the couch, with that of the cups, with that of the hair of my cat, with the shirt of my mother, with the calendar hanging in the kitchen, with the bed sheets and towels and jumpers, and every single strange book, a whole harmony of greens and blues and oranges and reds, galaxies of scents. Day 3. I sit in the shade of your house, the shadows of your garden, olives, juicy tomatoes, pesto, warm bread, wine and alcohols of herbs, flowers on the table, flowers in the garden, sun in the flowers in the garden, mosquitoes and smoke, sweaty hands touching, sweaty legs touching, mouthfuls touching. Day one, two, three, four. I throw the three coins and sip rice milk with turmeric and black pepper. I might be a Chinese elder of the 5th century. 
The three coins, the coin of the past, the coin of the present, the coin of the future, I say to myself. However, idiotic routines are safe and beautiful, especially long-lost ones. Three coins on the table, in the sunshine, in the perfume of rosemary. Dominar le grandi potenze. Day 5. Naked and barefooted, finally. Simple as a morning on some perfect occasions of happiness-induced lack of sleep. Making me miss <laughs> home this year. Yeah, that was summer. When was this published? Yes, 2019. University College Quirks publication for students and staff. So. Speaking of Quirk, I will read one of my five-word poems. Yes. Because Your five-word poems are very good. Thank you. Mine are like... Yeah, I think everyone, I think most people write like that. So the five words challenge at the Oveils, what used to be weekly open mic event. No, everyone, everyone gets 10 minutes to write a poem based on five words suggested by the audience. 10 minutes is not enough to write a poem. <laughs> Definitely not a good one. And I think a lot of people just try to fit the words in. Um, whereas what I do is like I start with thinking how one word might fit with another and in that world I start off somewhere else yeah and and then somehow the words fit into the world that uh, I imagined words before um, words which one? I, I like. I'm not particularly fond of them, uh, but I am proud of what I have accomplished within. Like all of these are written in under ten minutes. Um, yeah, because it's always a bit less than ten minutes anyway, and they try to make it a bit more. But by the time you <laughs> think about it, no, like yeah. I, 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 I like that. It's like there's no expectations in that. It's like a, a, anyone can get get up and read it, and you know, like. No one's poems are really good. Like, how good can it actually be? So it's like an understood, it's like, let's do it for fun. That's my favorite part of it. It's like, no pressure, no expectations, just read something that you wrote, and uh, probably most people just throw them away, I think. Um, but since I write them on my phone, I still have them. Uh, or at least two of them. I can find two of them. Um, so we'll read. I, I'm not. I can't find the one I actually wanted to read. But, uh, so the 
flew over. I don't know. Okay, fine. Let's... <clears throat> the five words for that week are Baltimore, Method, Battered, Sale, and Snowflake. <sighs> Not a good collection of words, but you can see already that there's like Snowflake, Sale, something to do with the weather, Baltimore, that's the setting, you know. So... Can you see the Statue of Liberty from Baltimore, you ask? I say you can barely see it from New York. What if you're really high up? Like on a really high building? I mean... How about sails? Can you see the sails of ships coming into the harbor from a really high building? There must naturally come a time when travel loses some magic, after the hundredth flight, let's say. Or maybe less for some people, and even less still for someone like me. I shouldn't have to think about all this when your eyes staring out the window have sparkles like champagne while mine can't hide old dreams. I want to say, of course, you can see the sails and the boats and the people waving goodbye from the top of a really high building in Baltimore, you can see the Statue of Liberty and its visitors, you can see the traces that the hopeful eye, that the hopeful eyes of a million people coming into New York Harbor left on its copper structure. You can see every ray of sunshine through clouds, every raindrop and snowflake that wets it and cools it. I could tell you all that if I had found a better method than avoiding your gaze when you ask me these things. So, I don't know, like, I think just from the reactions of people when I've read this, I want to emphasize two things. One, I'm talking about sales, so this poem is clearly, like, set many decades ago. And two, the two speakers are parent and child. I don't know if that com comes through at all. Like, I meant to phrase the... Like, when, when the child is asking the questions, I, want, I wanted to make them like a child's question so that that comes through, and I don't think... But the child is drinking champagne. <laughs> champagne. That is. Are you even listening? The line is, when your eyes staring out the window oh, have sorry. sparkles like yes. champagne. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh my god. I imagined it differently in my head. Like what? With like two people at the top of a very high building drinking something on the rooftop. Sorry. <laughs> no, That's no, my no. fantasy. The, ac the actual setting is like a really kind of second, third story building in New York in like, you know, early 20th century, you know, very squalid and, you know, the child yeah. is like, wandering about like, oh, can we see this, can we see the ships or... Well, it makes sense now that you say it. So it is, it is there. It's not that Yeah, it's not but there. I think that it, I think that if I have to explain it, then it's not good. So if, if it's like, if, if you created something and it only works if you explain what it is, then I think you have failed at doing what you were trying to do in, in art, I think. Um, like, if I, had, if I had written it well, I wouldn't need to explain it.
Vaya. It's good though. Thank you. Yeah.